Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 146 of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and it's been a couple days since I've been around here, so sorry about that. I got a nasty cold, and I'm just recovering now. My voice still feels like it's going to die any second now, so I better be quick on this. But gosh, it feels good to be back. Today, my guest is John Benson. He's the senior designer at Rooster Teeth. Yep, Rooster Teeth. Male chicken teeth out of Austin, Texas. They're a production company that do a lot of really cool stuff. John tells us about how art ran in his family and the kind of creatives he was surrounded by. He also talks about how when he started out in design, he was very close-minded into what design was and Uh, He explains that, and it's kind of fun, actually. He also tells a few stories about his time at Hobby Lobby, which were really great. One was when he first started doing hand lettering at Hobby Lobby. Another one is when he started doing print for Hobby Lobby, and how cool it felt to have his work out in Hobby Lobbies all over the U.S., We also talk about the brand refresh for Hobby Lobby that he was a part of, and he tells us a story about a freelance project he was a part of where he was accidentally included in an internal email from his customer. He tells us what he learned from that and what that caused for him. Really enjoyed chatting with John, hearing more about what he had cooking over there. So let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest, John Benson. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Good morning, John. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing great. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. Absolutely. This so is really cool. I first got to ask you, are you ready for a quickie? I am so ready. I've never been more ready. I see you stretching out there. <laughs> you got go. a little bit more limber. So let's dive in. Uh, yeah. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Um, I'm a senior graphic designer at Rooster Teeth down in Austin, Texas. Um, I've been like as a professional designer for seven years now. Um, I went to Purdue University where I got my uh, bachelor's in graphic design and I've worked for Hobby Lobby Corporate, um, which was like, you know, Fortune 500 company. But then I went down to a little web agency after that, which is like 20 people. Mm-hmm. Um, first, so that first job was like in-house and then it was an agency, so client facing. And, um, and now I'm at Rooster Teeth, which is in-house again, but um, certainly unique in its own way. Uh, but that's been the last seven years. So that's, awesome. a, that's a quickie. <laughs> that's perfect. And so you came out of school and dove right into, um, you know, studio life, agency life, and you've been sort of just looking for the right fit since, and you've been at Rooster Teeth for seven years, you said? Oh, no, no. I've been like uh, just as a professional designer for seven years, but yeah. um, I've been at Rooster Teeth for the last um, just over two years. Perfect. September was my two years. 
Got it. Okay, so I'm going to dive back even further than that now, and I want to ask you about your childhood. What was okay. your, what was that like? What um what do you think you had a creative childhood that pointed you in this career path? For sure, um, art definitely runs in my family. Um, my grandma was always painting or um, sketching or like making something crafty at you know knitting or whatever at, at their house. And mm-hmm. so I had her as like an example in my life. And then my aunt, my grandma's daughter, uh, professionally, uh, is a clay, um, sculpture artist. Like mm-hmm. she makes, um, jewelry and like home decor out of, um, sculpty clay. Wow. And she's like a brand representative for that. So she's, um, just super bright and colorful and, um, has been an, another direct family example for, Art. But yeah, I've been drawing for like as long as I can remember. Um, parents still have, you know, this crate of old sketchbooks, um, you know, from when I was like six. That's cool. So, how long? Do, how yeah. often do you go back and look through those? Well, I'm I've moved pretty far from my parents now, but uh, uh, it, it's fun to like, you know, dig through anytime I go home. Um, they still have, you know, drawings up all over the house, and they're proud. So that's cool. Uh, yeah, paintings from college and whatnot. Okay, so through elementary school and high school, did you feel yourself already sort of starting to head toward that art and design career path, or or what was the moment that that light bulb switched for you? Art, yes, but I was um, super closed-minded and pretentious when it came to design. Well, I didn't even know what. <laughs> design was at the time I thought I, I was such a little douche that I thought that um if you if you created on a computer you were somehow a sellout like that's how nice. close-minded I was so um all through high school I was just drawing like traditionally uh all, all pencil um like I was always drawing in class I had a binder of like um it was just doodles but um when I graduated high school it was like well, how do I, I love art. How do I turn this into a profession? And, um, Purdue was where I was going and I was looking at the programs and I was like, what's this graphic design thing? Like I had never touched the uh, creative suite, um, until I enrolled in in college. Like, so it was a total crash course. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I took to it pretty quick. Um, you know, it's a fun new toolbox, but it was a real, uh, uphill, a pretty steep incline learning curve. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's always funny to like, remember that, um, I was so close minded about design. <laughs> yeah. That's then, so but, funny. <laughs> if you're using a computer, you sell out. <laughs> yeah. You're using a mouse and not your, your pencil. Like there, I, I always had this rant of like, there's nothing more true than pencil to paper. And it was, Oh, it was so insufferable. Little 16, I, 17 year old John. That's yeah. <laughs> I will say that um, illustrations like uh, a quality that is looked for in graphic designers. So um, I'm really glad that um, that skill set came back into play because uh, it's, it's definitely not across the board. Like just because someone is a graphic designer um, doesn't mean that they'll be an illustrator or like that, that those are two distinct, um, professions really mm-hmm. and, and hybridizing them is, um, um, makes you more valuable. Definitely. 
All right. So college is sort of where it really connected us to what was possible with graphic design and how using a computer is a brilliant thing. As long as, you know, you're keeping some of those hand elements in, you know, that, uh, that for your style anyways. Um, mm-hmm. So John, what stands out to you as the most influential design of your life so far then something that you saw and has just stuck with you? Um, would you count like uh, lettering in general as like, a design because uh, I, I definitely would like I was uh, it wasn't until I was at Hobby Lobby and uh, that calls for a lot of like hand rendered arts and crafts um, looks to things and mm-hmm. that's where I they started requiring me to make these designs that were uh, rendered by hand and um, I had never thought of again it's like another checkpoint of like oh typography isn't like a, a form of illustrated art it's uh i don't know what little rant i would have given you then it's man i, I had these so many checkpoints of being closed-minded um but when i started you know having to draw letters by hand and uh was just like taken by it and whenever i was searching you know how to learn how to do it looking for inspiration um instagram came up as the place uh that's where you know, all these lettering artists were posting their, their work. I think back then that was like 2014, um, penmanships was a big account and, uh, a couple others, but it's exploded since then. I mean, mm-hmm. it's lettering is humongous, especially like thanks to feature accounts, like good type, um, type gang, um, handmade font, what have you. Like there's, there's For dozens sure. of them. Um, but you know, good type has, it hovers around a million followers at any given time. So, um, yeah, lettering has probably been the most, the biggest turn for me in design. Like that's, um, where my brain is cooking all the time. I'm always like writing down, you know, turns of phrase, idioms, metaphors, song lyrics, and, um, Mm -hmm. wanting to letter them, thinking about how, what would that look like? Uh, you know, if it were, if the feeling of it were rendered in type, so. Makes me it makes me wonder if I pursued my childhood bubble letters further. Where could it be? Where could it be now? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows, right? Yeah, that cool S that everybody drew. Oh like, yeah, the S draw was the rest a of tough it. one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, John, who are some of the designers and brands that you look up to and closely follow? What about them do you like? Um, so I'll go back to lettering for that. Uh, yeah. There's this account called Dandron Words. Um, he he's been consistently posting for like as long as I can remember being into lettering. Um, he, I don't know, you know, where to start. I have nothing but good things to say about him. Like he's always changing in his style. Uh, it's loose. It's sketchy. It feels authentic. Um, the things that he chooses to draw like quotes or lyrics are from the heart. Um, he's always engaging with, uh, you know, the, the people that comment and, um, seems really genuine and nice, uh, and seems uninfluenced by, you know, oh, well, this designer is doing this style. I should try that out. Cause, um, like I find myself doing that, but he's just going his own way and, uh, does a lot of work on an iPad pro and, um, it's so like clean, but 
I think it's the big takeaway I get from him. Like the vibe is do your own thing at your own pace. Um, and don't worry about, you know, likes or clout, uh, prestige. Like it's about your experience, your art. So well that guy's said. really cool. Well said, because that's so true. You know, you could, and especially in this Instagram world, you could easily get buried and lost in this Instagram rabbit hole of people doing amazing work and causing you to really, really critique yours, um, you know, mm-hmm. to the point of being detrimental to your own growth. Um, so, you know, I, I really like the way that you sort of pulled that out of that account and, and um, you know, and shared that. He struggles with it too. We all do. You know, 100%. Other designers. It's a double-edged sword of like having this endless wealth of inspiration online is um, you spend too long, you know, you get too much in your head about it and uh yeah it can be detrimental so for sure um john i want to ask you a little bit now about print and packaging design i want to hear how you have utilized uh print and packaging design in your career and any stories around printer packaging you have that you could share definitely so uh you know we were talking just for a sec before we started and um your background's in print like your passion is there and that's where I've been trying to figure out like what type of design um, most connects with me and it's the tactile, it's the print. And my, my first job out of college was um, for Hobby Lobby corporate. And there I was making, for instance, I made like card and party supplies and um, the years I was working there, it was always funny to hear from like my family of, Oh, I just, you know, I went to a Hobby Lobby and um, I saw your construction little kid birthday party pack (laughs) and cups and and stuff that I designed. And um, that feedback was always surreal of that. Oh, it's out there somewhere. Like people can get this thing and and buy it. And the the second, um, you know, meaningful interaction I've had with print is um, at Rooster Teeth, I've made a bunch of merchandise and um, a particular line of it called the Jeff Ramsey collection has a really dedicated um, fan base and people have gotten the shirt designs I've done like tattooed. Wow. And I like, uh, I, I like met a couple of them at RTX, which is um, Richard Teeth's convention. Um, they, they, it comes up on Reddit and people tag me and it's just, it doesn't ever stop being surreal it's very strange that, that people like your work enough to get it tattooed so mm-hmm. um i granted it's it's uh it's tied to jeff so like but um through him someone got something i drew like uh tattooed and um so that's what that's really strange and really cool because <laughs> you know we always get that passing like if you're an illustrator like oh you should be a tattoo artist and i'm like no um I, I don't know about that, but then it happens anyway. So. Yeah, then it happens. You're like, you know what? Yeah. Maybe, maybe there's, <laughs> maybe there's something. Yeah, I, I guess I can do it. Just not the one applying it. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. Um, all right, John. The next couple of questions I have for you take you down part of your career where you likely made some mistakes and learned mm-hmm. some lessons, and there's probably plenty more down the road for you. But I want to hear about some of the stuff you've encountered and the lessons you've learned. Um, so. So far, what do you think has been the most challenging time in your design career? Um, why was it challenging, and how did you get through it? 
this is exactly from the last question. Um, it's been figuring out what kind of design, like, do I feel most passionate about? Where do I belong? And I started at Hobby Lobby. I loved working on things that um, became real, that weren't just like marketing or, or, or digital ads that were here today, gone tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And it had some lasting quality. Uh, and after Hobby Lobby, I went to a web agency where we're building websites. And I just found, uh, like the two years I worked there, that this wasn't my passion. Like, uh-huh. um, So uh, I came to Rooster Teeth where I really got into print because it was all merchandise yep. um, and just loving it. However, um, recently, uh, within the last... Within the last year, uh, our department split, um, and there's now e-commerce strictly and marketing strictly. Uh-huh. And uh, I was moved to marketing away from e-commerce, and um, I've just realized how much I miss making stuff like yeah. print. Um, so that's been a huge challenge of just like coming to terms with that and. Um, it's kind of to be continued at this point, really. Uh, I'm not um, at an answer for that yet, but uh, yeah, it's been challenging to um, come to that realization of like, well, and it, it's complimentary because I know why I was put in marketing because of my past experience. Uh, my book shows that I can do it well. Uh-huh. Um, it, you know, on paper, business. Um, as the only factor, it totally makes sense. Uh-huh. Like I have, you know, no, um, misunderstanding there. Uh-huh. Um, I would just love to get back to making stuff. <laughs> <laughs> love it. So I'm in the trenches right now. Got it. <laughs> so you're sort of enjoying the marketing side of design and you're enjoying some of the challenges you're encountering on that side. But the in your gut, in your heart, you just love making stuff. That's exactly it. Yeah. Got it. Well put. Um, all right, John, I want you to take us to a specific design or project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. What was that like? Um, how did that feel? Can you take us to that story? I'm curious how many times freelance come up as an answer for this. Uh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a freelance story. Um, learn to write your contracts and learn or, or figure out this. Well, let me just get into it. So uh, I was contacted to make a bunch of illustrations, hand lettered um, pieces for this guy that was making a book. And the illustrations purpose were as far as we had discussed to be a chapter head. So, you know, you, go to the next chapter and there's an illustration on one page that is a pull quote or perhaps the title of the chapter, um, for the book. That was the scope I was aware of. Uh, the project was about halfway through. Um, and I was, I guess, accidentally included on an email that was discussing with, he was discussing with people on his end of merchandising the designs that we hadn't discussed at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so that cracked open, a, you know, the cat was out of the bag uh, after that. Because we had never discussed things to 
you know, licensing royalties, not licensing, but um, just how to monetize that was that was never discussed, like putting it on merchandise, mugs, shirts and whatnot. So ultimately, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so basically you were mistakenly included on an email that says, you know, I'm not. I don't like this work because how are we ever going to sell this or this isn't going to fit in the merchandise world? Oh no. Like they were just moving forward with, um, on, on his end of, uh, let's get this on stuff. And as far as I was aware of our agreement that this artwork work was only going to be used in the book. Okay. So, um, this was at a time when I was completely ignorant to um how could you further uh monetize utilize you know make that work an asset i didn't didn't occur to me of like oh yeah i guess you could put it on like Redbubble and just put it on everything mm-hmm. um so i was sort of um jaded after after that point and decided to pull from the project and uh um, lost the you know ultimate end of it, which would be published. But uh, I felt that once you lose like a an open dialogue and, and honesty mm-hmm. uh, with your client, then once you lose trust, then um, you know how are you supposed to continue working together? Uh, I didn't think he was being malicious or um, sneaky. I, I think I was just ignorant, um, you know, at that stage in my professional career, I guess, and uh, learned, mm, I guess, like how to maybe see all the angles or, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I still wonder about like, that project of like what, what I could, what could I have done differently? Mm -hmm. So what, what parts of that really sort of caused that relationship to deteriorate? Was it just the fact that you felt that the communication wasn't open or was it something that wasn't said? Um, Or was it just, you felt that you, you know, the, the project just wasn't going in the direction that you were told it was going or like what part of it made it sort of come apart? Um, that, you know, honestly, that may have been really more the, uh, I may have been looking for an excuse to get out of the project altogether Oh, interesting. Uh, because it, it was, uh, very time consuming and the deadline was short. Um, and I was getting burnt out on it and he had a publishing date he was trying to hit. So, uh, like the maybe that was a, a point where I realized that uh, my my limits as far as working full time um, and then coming home to design, so having no 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 time to there was no downtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was doing a lot of freelance that year, and uh, that project was probably. I think I, I may have bit off more than I could chew mm-hmm. uh, with the timeline. Um, so yeah, it was a, a big learning experience. Like like you said, it was. Uh, 
a designer project that didn't go well or bring the desired results. So. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I can tell that, you know, you still, you still think about it because, you know, even now when I'm asking, you know, the questions to go a little bit deeper with it, you know, you, I can see you connecting dots of thoughts you had and feelings you had and yeah. <clears throat> almost, almost perceiving to sort of question like what, am I telling myself and what is the actual likely truth on why this all came apart? So it's interesting just sure. sort of watching you think through that process. Tough nonetheless. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the next question was about something you're struggling with in your design career right now, but I think you addressed that, um, you know, a couple of questions ago. So I'm going to skip that. Um, and John, I'm going to turn this bus around for you. I want you to tell us about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of. I got to think about that. Um, oh, don't be so modest. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it's kind of back to that surreal feeling of, mm -hmm. of print when something exists. And um, while it was a long project, uh, I, I was part of the uh, brand refresh and update for Hobby Lobby and proposed a bunch of things in store of how they could you know, change signage or introduce new signage, uh, whether it be, you know, customer directional signage or um, change the way checkout aisles look or their their uh, gift cards or what have you. It was a very wide in scope project. Mm -hmm. Had the semi trucks look, um, and now whenever I go to Hobby Lobby, like I see all this not only the elements that were introduced at the beginning, like, you know, these, these are the new typefaces, the new colors, the new patterns, um, new, like we updated the logo. It was, um, not a overhaul. It was more of a, um, cleaning up. Like it used to be in a typeface that looked like antique olive is a very humanist sans serif. And we set it in, um, a customized Gotham. So, you know, change some of the letters a little bit, but that's what I mean. It wasn't an overhaul. It was an update. And, um, when I go in there now and see that, Oh, now they're using the branding on this signage and, um, stuff that I never touched. It's just like planted a seed and then it grew. Mm -hmm. Um, and every time <laughs> it's so dumb, but like I'm at the counter, like checking out, I'm like, I want to talk to like, the, I never do uh, the cashier and be like, I worked on this stuff. <laughs> like, this is so cool for me. Um, so, it, uh, yeah, that, that, that always makes me happy. Like seeing that stuff. That's cool. Uh, and like people getting tattoos at work. That's really cool. <laughs> and the tattoo, John, we're back to the tattoos again. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should get into it. There you go, man. <laughs> um, John, you've reached the point of the show for the ask it forward question. That's okay. where I have a question for you for my last guest and you get the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. So okay. saying that, my last guest was Kevin Cantrell. He's the creative director and founder of Kevin Cantrell studio. He specializes in branding, um, a lot of uh, hand lettering and typography. So you would definitely dig his Instagram account. Okay. His, um, his question is kind of deep. So, he I'm wanted ready. to ask you, what is the most valuable thing or person or whatever in your life? 
like the thing in your life, not necessarily tangible, like actual thing, but what in your life is the most valuable to you? Oh, boy, that could go in a lot of directions. Sure could. Uh, man, maybe I wasn't ready for that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, most valuable. And you might have to cut out like a, a, a you know, a, a moment to think here. Yeah, uh, you know, anytime somebody asks me like, what's your favorite movie? I have to ask, well, what genre? Uh-huh. Uh, it, what's your favorite food? Well, what country? Um, so this is so like existential. <laughs> um, I don't know where, what category to fit where it's the most so valuable when you, thing. When you, you know def- I mean? when you, okay, let me, let me ask this then. When you are looking at it from dividing it up into categories, is there one step above that? That is one single thing that maybe guides those other categories. You just feel like inspired or fired up. Um, well, let me give you an example. Um, so this month uh, I was decorating for Halloween, my house, and um, I went crazy doing it. Like every day I came home and I was, I had something to do. I was like focused on today we're making uh, like uh, a, a, a giant casket that has lettering on the front of it and um, or skulls with like melted candles on top. And like that momentum was so fun. Like uh, the reason I don't know if that's like a valuable answer is because it's so fleeting, you know, it, it's not consistent, uh, but and I, I don't quite know what to call it. But, um, when, when you're in like that, that mode and like you're, um, you're feeling fulfilled by a project, Mm -hmm. like nothing like it. Uh, especially whenever, I guess the opposite is like, you know, it's a valuable project, but you're stressed by it. Like updating my portfolio. I know it's, it's like eating your vegetables, you know, it's good for you, but man, like I would rather be, um, doing anything else. Mm-hmm. It, so, uh, I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for, but, or if that was even an answer, um, <laughs> something most valuable. If I, uh, I don't know couldn't draw tomorrow like uh you know if i couldn't express um like if i i don't know lost my hand or something that would be horrible uh it's it's tools you know yeah what i'm sort of getting you circling around is um not your belief system that's not the right term i don't think but it sounds like you're circling around of um 
the most valuable thing in your life is your values and your, your creative spirit mm-hmm. and being able to foster that rather than force that. It's very raw right now for me, um, given like this, um, moving away, um, outside of my control from, you know, making merch, like doing what I want to do. Yeah. And, uh, that itch was scratched by working on stuff all October for Halloween. Mm-hmm. And now I'm right back to, well, what do I, you know, what do I make now? Do I get back into lettering or, uh, I, I got to do something. It's about time to get those Christmas lights up. That's what I'm thinking, John. Time to start making uh, <laughs> turkey hands, you know, yeah, for Thanksgiving. But um, yeah, I mean, if if you want to go deep with it, like uh, values have always been um, part of me. Like I was raised um, like conservative and Christian, so uh, instilling a deep sense of purpose or values, like I think, is in my core. Like as a person, that's how I was raised and developed. So um, when I feel like something has like purpose, uh, that, that's why lettering connects with me so much is um, y- you, you ruminate and kind of meditate on um, – something that really connects with you because you have to spend like, like a song lyric for instance, mm-hmm. because um, you spend so long dedicated to these words you're drawing. It takes a while to render that. I mean, it's no wonder why like there's so many accounts that their lettering is based around like their holy book, mm-hmm. whatever it may be, mm-hmm. um, you know, verses from it. So um, when I really connect with something and feel like it has purpose um, or it's relevant to me, uh, like it really speaks to me. Um, like there's no better feeling than that. Mm-hmm. So like whenever I hear, um, a lyric or something that's like, Oh, that's me. Like I really connect with that. Like then, um, I want to get it out and draw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really, um, do well doing like a daily challenge kind of thing because I can't guarantee that there's something that's connecting with me on a daily basis. Uh-huh, like, uh-huh. cause I, I have to find inspiration. I you know, be listening to find it. So, um, and then you roll in like that feeling of keeping up with the Joneses and the, uh, endless March of Instagram posts that feel like you're, uh, falling behind on. So it's a deadly combination. Yeah, you know? no, that's for sure, man. Yeah. Got it. I love it. Um, John, what is your question that you'd like me to ask the next guest? Um, well, it's going to be relevant to someone that took off on their own, like your last guest. And so I guess you'd have to save it for somebody that's done that again. But um, I remember reading when Jessica Hish went full-time freelance that she put in her book that um, for X amount of years uh, I would have my full-time job and then I would come home and spend another five hours uh, working on my freelance and 
developing a brand and a, a consistent, you know, developing a, a client base. Uh, and it took her a couple of years to do that. So that takes a lot of dedication and passion for what you're doing. And um, I'm just curious for those that took that leap that became a full-time freelancer, like, did it ever feel like the right time or did they just take a risk? Like, how do they mitigate risk? Um, and like, um, how do they think they were ready? You know, was it because they had a steady client base they built up? Um, did any of them ever just <laughs> like quit and then uh, say, I hope this works? Because <laughs> I don't think that happens, but maybe it does. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just super curious about people that go freelance um, and suddenly the hustle is all on them. They, they are their own accountant, their own client services, their own illustrator, and they, you know, they're responsible for everything. So um, I, I think I asked a lot of questions there. Let me just ask one. Um, no, no, no I, got it, I got it rolled up. So what I basically am going to be asking is, um, you know, when you went on out on your own, did it ever feel like the right time to go out on your own? Um, what did you do to prepare or did you just jump? That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. All right, John, I will ask the next guest that question. Um, <laughs> you've reached the end of the quickie podcast, man. Well, that wasn't so bad. No. You did it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for your time, man. It was great connecting with you on here. Yeah. Likewise. Great talking to you. All right. That is the end of today's episode, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate your time. I'm back in the groove. My voice is back and uh, time to throw down some awesome interviews. See you tomorrow.